Basically transitioning from a subject matter expert to a manager is, is very difficult because you do want to do everything yourself. Learning how to delegate is something that I personally have to learn. I'm, I'm not perfect, no one up here is perfect. The ones that are successful are the ones that know that we're not perfect, but we're hopefully going in the right direction. But let's start with millennials. What, what should people know in the workplace about millennials? I really hate this question. <laughs> You're listening to Real Talk with Regions Bank. I'm your host, Lisa Graham. In this special podcast, recorded at Nashville Business Journal's NextGen panel discussion before a live audience, Eleanor Kennedy interviews five leaders from Nashville's business community about becoming managers at a relatively young age. In part two, we'll continue our discussion with these leaders and hear how they handled some of the challenges of management, including evaluating candidates from Generation Z, the secret to a better work-life balance, and working with a board of directors for the first time. Ben Goldberg is a Nashville restaurateur who launched strategic hospitality with his brother. Jennifer Hill is a quality strategy and administration manager for Nissan North America. Marcus Whitney is an entrepreneur and president of Briovation. Brad Smith is CEO of Aspire Health. And Megan Ganshaw is a branch manager for Regions Bank's Mill Creek location. Certainly, management poses plenty of challenges. And to become an outstanding leader, you need to be ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. Leveraging smart advice, tools, and resources, like those we learned about in today's discussion, are great ways to set yourself up for success. Helping you achieve your goals is something Regions Bank understands. Regions Next Step is a financial education program offering advice, tools, and guidance to help you accomplish your goals at every stage of your life. No matter your goals, Regions will help you with each step you want to take. Now let's hear from Nashville's young leaders at NextGen, brought to you in partnership by Regions Bank and the Nashville Business Journal. What management styles uh, did you gravitate towards or do you try to emulate now? And are there specific managers that you've had that you still find yourself thinking about today as I want to be like that person? And what, what did you learn from them? Megan? Um, the management style that um, I remember the most is the, the one that took the time to coach and invested their time into me, um, f- sat me down, asked what my career goals were, and then made it a priority for them to help me get there. Um, the kind of management styles I think like anybody in this room would agree with is micromanagement. I never did well with that. So those who gave me the room to do what I do best and then corrected me when I needed to be corrected, but gave me that room to make the mistakes, um, those are the ones that I remember because they allowed me to take ownership over what I was doing. Brad, you have any thoughts? I think the ones that I've seen do the best and I've learned the most from are the ones who figured out how to put together a team from maybe imperfect people, realizing that you're not going to always have perfect people for every role, but how do you take the strengths of everybody and put them together? I think that's been a, a really big lesson. How do you identify or what traits do you look for in your employees to know that they have potential to be a leader, to be a manager? So let's start there. Um, team. Somebody who puts the team before themselves. Um, I have an employee currently who, um, whenever I am out of the branch doing business calls, I have nothing to worry about. He is about the team, making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, If they need help, he's there. I just think it's somebody who um, steps up um, in my absence and uh, makes sure things flow and I don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I look for people completely engaged. They 
they understand when they're there to work or we work together, they, they are fully engaged in the process of and they are able to think about it and talk about it and live it and breathe it and come back the next day with new ideas outside of work. Um, that is a really impressive thing that I look for. Um, I'm not the easiest person to work with, that's for sure, but I also wanna know someone's pot committed with me because I am, I'm in it with you. I work day to day with the people I work with and I want to know on the flip side that you are also engaged and committed to the process from start to finish. I look for someone that um, can cultivate goal congruence, not just internally with our team, but external teams as well. You have to be able to communicate um, amongst ourselves, but also like when we are working with different departments or different OEMs, as in other you know companies uh, or suppliers or vendors, I want to make sure that you can also uh, be a leader amongst those as well. So just feeling, don't worry about getting outside of your comfort zone when you're just talking internally, but also externally. Yeah, I think it's about the will in a lot of ways. So sort of jumping on with Ben, the folks who really want it are the ones I think that I've gravitated towards and sort of tended to give those opportunities to, for sure. Um, readiness, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, putting somebody in a management position before they're ready is a real disservice to them, to your point earlier, Brad. And, um, you know, someone has to have developed uh, mastery over their own domain first before they can effectively, confidently, lead someone else. And so you, you need to see someone that has worked very, very hard, has made a ton of mistakes on their own, uh, and will be able to have that sort of intuitive grace that we just heard about, right? Where they know, hey, I've been there. I know that mistake you just made. I made a worse mistake. You, you, you know, you have to have some level of experience there, I think, in order to be effective there. Mm -hmm. And so if you've seen that in a team member, that they have these qualities you're looking for, um, as their manager, are you proactive in telling them, I think you have what it takes, or are you more waiting for them to take the initiative and come to you? How do you foster that potential that you've seen? I'm definitely proactive with yep. it. If I see leadership you know, abilities in someone, I want them to know that, hey, I've noticed this, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about your career path. Let's you know, coach them along their career path. What do you want to do? Where do you want to be in the next few years, the next five years, the next 10 years? Um, what kind of contributor do you want to be you know, to our organization going forward? Mm -hmm. I would just sort of build on that. I mean, I think all the superstars in our organization, especially when you're a growing organization, you want to make sure they see the future with you and what their next roles are. Because if not, if they're really good, you can lose them to attrition. Mm -hmm. So making sure that they really see, hey, three years from now, this is what I'll be doing. Five years from now, this is what I'll be doing, I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Have any of you, Marcus, you kind of raised this idea. Have any of you put someone in a management position and regretted it and found that they were not ready? And how did you absolutely. handle that situation? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there, there have been situations where uh, someone had spent a certain amount of time with us and they had communicated a desire to do it and they had worked hard and they had been loyal. Um, and we put them in a management scenario and uh, hadn't fully sort of evaluated their skills, um, whether or not they had developed some emotional maturity that's necessary and had to um, basically return them back to a subject matter expertise track uh, and, and take away the, the management responsibility. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, mm -hmm. and you have to do what's best for the team. And ultimately that's what's best for the person too. And if they can understand that, then they can sort of, you know, dust themselves off and, you know, take another pass at it maybe in a year or something like that. Uh, but you know, the worst thing you can do is just see something, you know, it's not working and just let it continue. Right. It's bad for everybody. Mm -hmm. What has, tell me about the first time that you hired someone. Uh, I, I know some of my friends who have gotten into management positions, that's been one of the biggest differences when they got into that job, and that's something that they felt a little self-conscious about. So how did you get over that hump, you know, evaluating candidates and knowing that you'd made the right choice? I think it, I enjoyed that part of um, being a manager only because I enjoy getting to know people, and I'm, I'm in the business of people, and that is kind of what, how, I, how I manage, how I run my branch. And so um, I find it enjoyable to get to sit down with people, get to know them, and then kind of it's like a puzzle, figuring out who is going to fit in best with my team based on their personality. Um, so I, I personally enjoy that piece of it. Mm -hmm. But let's start with millennials. What, what should people know in the workplace about millennials? They need um, purpose. They need to know what they're doing, how it makes a difference in the big picture. Mm -hmm. I really hate this question. <laughs> Honestly, and I think the one thing I want people to know is that not all millennials are the same, and they can't be put in a box. I mean, they're so different. And I want to say we, but I'm like on that line, maybe. <laughs> some days I'm a millennial, some days I'm not. You know? So, um, and that just justifies my point that not, you know, all people in that age group are the same. So you really just have to be cognizant of, you know, who works for you or who you work for and, and how you communicate with them and how do you pull out the best regardless of their age. Mm -hmm. I think thinking about the organization first is the biggest thing. I think it's really easy for all young people, millennia, whoever, to really think about what it means for them and their situation. And I think the more people can focus on the whole organization versus them as an individual, uh, the better it is. But have your organizations started thinking about this new generation that's in college now? I've heard them called the iGen, Gen Z, and obviously we just said we don't want to generalize, but. Do you start thinking about that? We're going to be hiring people that have a, a totally different experience, and how are you preparing for that? This is a hard question, and one I didn't give you in advance. So. I mean, I, I have spent zero time thinking about it. I, I think that we want to get on it, Ben. We want to get on it. We want to hire good people, right. and good people. It, it doesn't matter when they were born and what category people want to put them in. We want to hire good people that buy into what we do every single day. It doesn't matter if they're 100 or 18 years old. So I don't think I personally don't spend a lot of time thinking about about that side of it. Maybe a practical uh, thing that's not so much about like culture and things like that. But I think there there is a there is a reality to um, the familiarity with technology and comfort level with technology and how technology enabled your company is uh, that, that, I d that I do think plays into how friendly you are to a particular generation um, or how challenging it may be for a particular generation. I think that's probably not an overgeneralization. That's probably reasonably mm -hmm. fair. Um, so to that end, we are a very, um, 
technology forward organization. So we're, we're not, not technology first, but certainly forward. We, we look to use it and leverage it wherever we can. We look to teach our team, regardless of age, how to use the technology to um, uh, improve the quality of their work and how effective they can be. And I, and I think that that makes us attractive to, to, the, to the next generation. Having said that, I have a freshman in college right now. Um, and, you know, like he knows his phone and he knows all the fun apps. He doesn't know anything beyond that, <laughs> right? So, so, I, so I think there's still going to be that training mm -hmm. <laughs> that you're still going to have to do to, you know, when they graduate college and they think they know something and they don't know anything, you're still going to have to have, you know, great training systems for them. I think along the lines of that too, a lot of larger corporations are now focusing on flexibility as well, work-life balance, and there's some things that are changing. So for example, when I started at Nissan years ago, um, you would have never asked to work from home or virtual office. So being, you know, technology forward, now we have the capability to do that and to offer that to our employees. So I think that is something that a lot of organizations are starting to do. And I fully support, especially having a four-month-old baby. Like, yes, I need to work from home at times. So. Well, that feeds well into, I was going to ask about work-life balance. When you got into a managerial role, do you feel like you have more control of your time and ability to control it? or? less because you can't pass the buck off to anyone else and, and at the end of the day if something needs to get done you're the one who needs to do it. I feel if you delegate properly then um, you're able to keep that balance um, but at the end of the day if there's something that needs to get done and it's between me getting it done and you know my life work-life balance being compromised versus my team usually I will take that responsibility because I feel like that's my that's my role. Um, but I, if you, I feel like if you delegate properly, then you shouldn't run into that often. You should be able to manage both. I don't have work-life balance <laughs> at all. Um, uh, so the, 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 the flexibility, I think, has, is a double-edged sword, right? So on one hand, it means if you want to take a yoga class at 10 a.m. because that's your favorite yoga teacher and that helps keep you together and aligned, I, I don't care that you're doing that. But it also means you still have to get your work done. So, so we, we, do, we do some things like, so we use Slack. Do, how many people in here are familiar with, with Slack? OK, en enough. It's, a, it's basically like a communications tool, uh, chat internal for, for an organization. So we use Slack. We, we actually don't communicate on email at all internally. Um, so that means we can all sort of access each other all the time. But we say after 5, Slack's down. And on the weekend, Slack's down. Now, there are still those people who are the workaholics who will reach out to me. I'm not allowed to reach out to them. <laughs> but if they reach out to me, then it's on, right? Because they know I'm on. They know I'm on. Brad, how is your work-life balance? Yeah, uh, kind of like Marcus's, unfortunately. So I'm <laughs> working on it. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you definitely do get a lot more flexibility when you're in a boss role, but I think that you have a lot more responsibility as well. Uh, I like working, so that helps, I think. But I, but I think um, you definitely, it stops with you, and so you got to kind of do whatever it takes to get the result you're looking for. Mm -hmm. For those of you that may have employees who are trying to manage up towards you, uh, how do you handle that when you get, you know, how, what, what conversations do you look to have with your employees? Uh, so I, I was going to say, it, it does apply to me. Um, because I have a board, um, and 
I, I, we put a board in place because we wanted to have accountability um, because it's just good for you, right? Um, and it forces you uh, to, to prove that you understand uh, the privilege and the responsibility that you have and that you will hold yourself accountable. Because really, managing up is, uh, is about making it clear that you can handle <laughs> what, you, what you have and maybe you know, ask for more when you think appropriate. And so um, you know, if, if, you, if you get all the way up to CEO, uh, on, you know, unless you, you don't have a board, you know, if you have a board, you're gonna have to report to that board and you're gonna have to prove to them that on a quarter to quarter and annual basis, you've got, you've got the business under control and you deserve another quarter to keep running the show. Um, and, and so <clears throat> I, I think it's the same thing. I think you know, whether you're uh, a junior person managing up or the, the quote unquote boss, right? Um, you have to prove that you can handle it you know, and that you can manage yourself and, and that you've, you've got a good uh, grasp on what's in front of you. Um, this is a, a bummer question. We've sort of talked about it, but specifically, what was the biggest mistake that you made when you first started managing people? Trying to do it all myself, not trusting anybody to do it. So I just took it all on myself and I, um, to the point where I was exhausted and just couldn't continue. So I had to learn to um, delegate. <laughs> Thinking I was the smartest one in the room. I still think that some of the best ideas we get in our businesses are from the ground level employees gutting it out every single day in the restaurant. And so I think that I was young, I was 23, I felt like I had to prove that I had the answer right away and I should have listened way earlier than I did. Yeah, as Megan stated earlier, um, basically transitioning from a subject matter expert to a manager is, is very difficult because you do want to do everything yourself. You're used to doing it and learning how to delegate uh, is something that I personally have to learn. But then also the second thing that I had to learn was uh, knowing when someone is not placed, not well placed, maybe it's time to sever your ties between them and the organization. It was the hardest thing I've ever done when I had to let somebody go. And initially because it happened within my first year of management. I just did not want to do it. You know, I was like, this is their livelihood. What am I doing? But then I had to realize that A, it's not a good business decision to keep them here. And it's also not a good decision for them because they are not placed to where they can, you know, perform the best to their ability. This is just not a good fit for them. So I had to learn that we're going to have a lot of cases or maybe not a lot of cases, depending on how well you start to hire going forward, um, you know, where you may have to let someone go and just realize that you, you're doing the best for them and you're doing the best for the organization. Yeah, I agree with what everybody said. Not delegating, I think, was my huge issue. There was this uh, week, uh, probably like three or four years ago, where I ended up staying up literally all night for two nights in a row working on things. And I had a huge meeting on the third day. And literally, I was like, if I keep doing this, the whole company is going to fail because of me and because I haven't figured out how to delegate. And I think for me, that was a really big moment, recognizing you just can't do it on if you don't figure that out. There's no way you can build a bigger organization over time. L losing my temper. Mm. You seem so chill, though. So. I've gotten better at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the biggest regret, for sure. Um, because once it comes out, you can't put it back in the bottle. That's it. You've done it. I would like to add one thing to that. Um, one thing is not 
um, owning up to your mistakes. I think a lot of times when you, as a manager, are willing to say, you know, maybe that wasn't the best idea, you actually become a person, a human to your team. And I think that ha- that says more about who you are than if you constantly, kind of what you said, think you're the smartest person in the room and everything you say is correct. Um, you earn more respect by um, being willing to admit when things could have been done differently. Mm-hmm. Well, any last words of wisdom that you would leave uh, someone who's just entered the workforce with, uh, they you know aspire to get to the positions that y'all are in, what's one piece of advice that they can take and implement tomorrow? I would just say hard work. I'm a big believer in the work you put in. Well, you will see the rewards. I mean, I, I agree with that completely. I think that being POC committed, if you love what you do, it will show. Mm-hmm. Um, always be willing to take things off of your manager's plate, and then they'll really start to see you know, your leadership capabilities. Mm-hmm. Committed and self-aware, knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not as good at. Yeah, self-awareness is a, is a big one. Uh, I, I think uh, if you're self-aware and you're not yet a master of your domain, just keep working to become a master of just what you have right now before you aspire to, to start leading other people. Well, thank you all so much. I think that's about the time that we have for the panel. So appreciate you guys sharing your wisdom with us. And that concludes part two of a special two-part podcast at Nashville Business Journal's NextGen panel presented by Real Talk with Regions Bank. If you missed part one, check it out to learn how these young business leaders got their start, what it took to be successful in separating themselves from others, and how they learned from their mistakes to become more effective leaders. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lisa Graham. Copyright 2018 Regions Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Views presented are those of the individual speakers at a live event and may not be suitable for your individual situation.